Hey everybody, it is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And before we show you this next video, just wanted to remind you that you can add the CMSPN to your Roku. That's right. If you have a Roku or a Roku TV, just click the link below. It's in the scroll. It's also in the description of this video. And make sure you're logged into your Roku account on your computer and it will add it right to your Roku. It'll add it. Then you just refresh your device and bang, there it is. That way you can watch all of our episodes, whether it's us or Skull Sessions or Talk To Me or Aftershocks or Classic Metal Show. I'll be on your TV. It's a deal, right? And it's free, free. All right. Make sure you do that. And now here's the video you actually came to see. All right, guys, welcome to Talk To Me. This is episode 276 here on the CMS Podcast Network. That is cmspn.com. And with us today, one of the most amazing vocalists in metal today, Aaron Polly of, of Mice and Men. Aaron, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for the compliment. It's a high honor. Man, I, Happy I to be here. Love your voice, man. I can't uh, can't get enough of uh, you know of your, your growls and your singing and everything else, man. It's, it's a great voice. Oh, well, thank you, man. Thank you. And uh, we're also here to talk about uh, Timeless out February 26th, Shark Tone Records. Uh, quick EP, you know, you guys seem to have stayed busy during this pandemic. So uh, so what? tell us a little bit about, you know, working throughout the pandemic. Um, you know, we worked remotely. Uh, for us, creating music is, uh, like you said, it's staying busy. And staying busy is how uh, we stay sane. <laughs> you know, I think uh, when you have... I don't know, almost a decade of a lifestyle of touring where you're touring six to nine months out of the year. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you don't know when the next time you're going to play a show is. But you have this other outlet of creating music, which is something that like the reason why we all started playing music is because we wanted to make music. And I think when you're a full time touring band, some at some point, the focus kind of shifts from that creative process to creating a business like for live you know, touring and whatnot. Um, and sometimes it can feel like that creative process is secondary to the entertainment process. But this year kind of forced us all to go back to that and sort of revisit why we really got into music in the first place. And it's cool because now technology, you know, is we can we can share project files back and forth and we just ended up self-producing uh, the whole EP ourselves just as a way to kind of like stay sane. Right. So if you say you went back to find out, you know, why you got into music in the first place, what was that for you? Um, well, I grew up in Vacaville, California. And when I was like, Papa maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. No, that's what it was. It was maybe when I was 10 or 11, I saw the local band from my hometown, like change the world with last right. resort where everybody in the world knew that song. And like, I found so much joy in like those local shows and stuff and kind of seeing their trajectory and where they went. I was like, oh, okay. So you can kind of take this like deep rooted love of music and you can actually like go places in the world with it. And you can like meet people and who knows, like you could write a song that could get somebody through a hard time the way that last resort got a lot of, you know, kids from Vacaville through hard times. So, um, yeah, shout out Papa Roach. <laughs> All day, every day, dude. Have you uh, toured with them yet? 
Uh, we've done like little runs. I think we did like a five day run with them on the East Coast. Uh, we've played like festivals and stuff, and they're the boys. We love them. I'm gonna get a Papa Roach tattoo. <laughs> there you for go. sure at some point. Hey, you know we all need a Papa Roach tattoo. Yeah, if you love Papa Roach, I back it. Uh, so the uh, single you guys put out is obsolete. It is not a Fear Factory cover to my chagrin, but uh, you know it's a great new song, and and you're just kind of going on. Um, I, th- I think the quote from you was something about you know how everything is just kind of obs- it gets obsolete so fast these days. You know, with with cell phones, just you know you get them one one year, next year they're already wanting you to upgrade, and it's already twenty times better and four times smaller. So I mean, you know, it, it kind of give us a breakdown of obsolete from your end. I mean, yeah, it's exactly that. You know, it. I think a lot of people, because of when we're releasing it now, will assume that it relates more to the pandemic and like to being a musician. But like, to, to be honest, I wrote the lyrics to that in February before like anything had really like started to develop to the point where we thought things were going to be canceled because we had just done ship rocked. You know, we were on a cruise ship with like 2000 people at the beginning of the pandemic, which right. is kind of crazy to think about with where we're at now, but there wasn't that foresight. It was just more feelings of, I think, uh, as you get older, you just become more aware of things like that. When you're young, you don't really notice things updating and becoming obsolete or the pace at which they do or the patterns at which they do. And once you get older, you kind of start to recognize that and you start to kind of wonder, you know, at times, for me, it's when I'm not busy, you know, being busy is a good thing. So when I'm not busy, I sit and think like, damn, like my hose now, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And I think that those feelings, you know, were just amplified by um, the pandemic. But by that point, having kind of written that song and we, you know, we make, it's a cliche that like musicians write music because it's therapeutic, but it's kind of true. Like by that point, I felt like I'd already worked through those feeling so when lockdown started we all were just like okay well we already all live kind of separate now compared to where we lived a couple years ago um but we all just decided we're like let's not stop making music if we can't tour you know our career is a conversation with our fans you know through the form of shows and through the form of music and if we lose out on the shows well let's just work to give our fans music so you know we spent a lot of 2020 working on new music and just kind of preparing for 2021 it's funny you talking about how everything kind of becomes obsolete over time and and progressing and and finding new ways to do things during the pandemic and you know even before we started recording you're like last time we did this it was audio only now we're doing video it's like you got everything that kind of keeps moving forward. Oh yeah. And you know, with with even with your band and Jamie's elsewhere and everything else before that, I'm assuming, you know, you went to a studio and you and there was, might even have been tape. You know, now you're like, let me bust open the laptop, let me you know, drop a baseline and email it oh, to my, you know, email I, it to a friend. I mix, I mixed and mastered obsolete on a 2012 MacBook Pro. Insane. Like it's the technology's out there. I've been telling people, you know, when I'm doing interviews, they're like, what would you want to tell fans like about how you made the record? I was like, honestly, we did it with Logic <laughs> and about $500 worth of plugins that I bought that I've used with Waves. And we did it on a 2012 MacBook Pro by sending files and people's little focus rights and things. Like we just, 
you can if if you're willing to kind of put in the time to learn the software and really just focus like more on what your ears are hearing than like what you're seeing and tweaking with like it's possible and it's really cool because like 10 like you said 10 years ago that wasn't the case you know i used when i was in jamie's elsewhere i used to produce local bands like i used to have a home studio and would like for like 100 bucks or 150 bucks a day like would produce local bands because i enjoyed it it was like it was like a little side hustle but like i didn't charge like anything competitively you know it was just for fun and those tools were not nearly as good as they are now or like as refined or um you know you have a lot of people like joey sturgis tones and you have a lot of people like uh the people at dark glass and neural dsp and people at like stl tones that are putting out guitar amps and all these you know steven slate with drums and it's like all this stuff is so um refined now to where it's more about the creative process than it is about figuring like how do i get this fucking snare to sound <laughs> not like a trash can you know what i mean like so you're not like you're, you get to work more on the art than on the uh sound or the aesthetic of the sound well and that's one thing that came through even just listening to the new ep you know in, in the car today was how good it sounds so to to hear that it was made on a macbook you know it's, it's that's pretty, rad yeah that's one thing that's that all- i was gonna say something to you i was like man this sounds really good so for you to well, say thank you it's, it's pretty nuts yeah, that's like I, I I almost take that as like a bigger compliment. Like when the song first came out and I was like trolling comment sections, like looking for like somebody just saying like, oh, this master sounds like shit. Or, What's up with his mix? And like, I didn't see any of that. And I was like, yeah, I don't <laughs> care if they hate the song. They think it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so will you dive into a comment section, you know, on occasion just to like just waiting for that bad, you know, the bad comment? You know, like yeah there's definitely a part of me that like will do that because i think just as a creative person who cares about what you're creating you want to see how it's received it definitely like people's negativity especially when it's like really on a hundred it it makes me laugh now and not even in like a like a cynical or like oh i'm just saying that but like legitimately like i screenshot them and i send them to my friends like it really makes me laugh. Like the people care sometimes seemingly way more than I do or like signaling that they care like so much about the integrity of this. And I'm like, well, dude, I wrote it. And like, you just need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. I love that there's a conversation around it. You know, metalcore was music that I listened to when I was in high school, you know, 15 years ago. And it's still around. And it's like, such an evolved genre but it's still metalcore and i think that's really sick and so to still be even a part of the community like to even just be the old uh generic metalcore band right from 10 years ago to still be in the conversation it's sick because there's so many great like new bands and stuff and they inspire us and our music and so uh it's been really cool to like self-produce a song do it ourselves and put it out and then have people say yeah more of this because it's like okay well, we can do that. We have the means. And, you know, like I said, keeps us sane ish. Well, the one thing too, with that is, is, you know, not only are you kind of the old guard at this point, you also did like, like the, uh, the night terror, uh, you know, compilation or the, uh, the, the collaboration there. And oh, so yeah. doing that pro the, the, the comment section on that had to be crazy just because how much, how much people either can't evolve and listen to new things 
or just the mashup of those two styles. You know, it's got to be, it had to have been nuts. Well, well, actually the EDM community, they're some of the just most overwhelmingly, at least in my experience, like positive people. Like, oh, I don't really like the screaming. This, this is a great song. It's like, <laughs> you would never see something like that. Right. But I don't know. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, like metalcore, even back when I was in high school, it's always been, or just the scene in general, not just metalcore bands, but like just the scene. It's always been something that had its message board where people would vent about the stuff they didn't like about it, you know, um, whether it was like absolute punk back in the day or like the B9 boards or like, it was always like, it's always been looked at with a very critical lens. Whereas like a lot of pop music is just kind of enjoyed, you know, people experience it and they're like, oh, this song's annoying or, you know, but they won't go out of their way to be like, I gotta, I gotta let everyone know. <laughs> but at the same time, like I appreciate all of that. So I definitely like, um, I will read it for the sake of just like, it's a conversation, right? Like I said that before. So it's like, I'd like to know what people think about it. When people are like, especially negative, it makes me laugh nowadays. It doesn't like hurt my feelings like it did maybe, you know, a decade ago, but you put out enough music and you get to a point where like, you know, these songs got me through like a really rough two or three months and like having something to do and work on those was like, cool so that was kind of the you know the fruit from the tree of that but i don't know and with just, like, uh, rambling now <laughs> no we'll get it back on track uh you know one thing you know over the last hours <clears throat> of, of mice and men you've put the bass down you let someone else do it and you kind of became more of a front man um is that something you're going to continue to do is that something on these new songs did you play bass on the new songs um i played bass on a couple of them the guys played bass on a couple of them um i don't know i you know i think i would probably still i'd like to keep fronting i like the interactivity um but i don't even know when touring is gonna be touring so well i mean just from watching videos today <clears throat> watching you know older videos with you know you where you almost have to stay stationary to old to newer videos to where you could kind of work the crowd a little bit more yeah and, and as a bass player myself i, I was kind of sad to say probably just need to be a front man <laughs> all right well for there, you there we go thank you and if anybody has any issues with that they can take it up with you just well, email they, him hey just as long as they click <laughs> like on this video or leave a comment we'll be good right hit subscribe there you go you can uh, complain to me about that but you know it's funny because just throughout the videos and everything else you know watching you play bass i can tell you enjoy the instrument it's not just like i picked up a bass because there was no bass player in the band it's like, yeah, you feel like you truly enjoy the instrument. Oh, a hundred percent. I think there's something about, and especially Tino, I have an amazing drummer in my band, like playing bass with him was awesome because we would just lock it down. And when you're playing on a big stage and you got the subs under your feet and you're locked, like there's something, you know, your brain operates because of frequency, right? Like it's neurons, it's energy. And like you can, they've, science has shown that frequencies can impact like your brain and the way you perceive things. And there's something about being locked in with like a shit ton of bass under your feet. Um, it's awesome. And, you know, at the same time, it's a totally different sort of role. I think when you're playing an instrument and being a front person, you have to be very, very present in the moment. 
and you have to be very present and commanding with the crowd. And it's a very different energy than when you're just singing because I don't have to always be present. I can completely lose myself for 20 seconds on stage and not really be aware of anything. And as long as I'm singing, you know what I mean? And that, that to me, a lot of the times is, is secondary to just like feeling the moment of the song. So it's like a very different kind of role. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the other fun Both part are of, enjoyable in their own way. Though. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other fun part of watching today, just kind of going through like a, a chronological, but it's all out of order on YouTube. So it's like, if your hair is here, then, then it's this air of the band and it just kind of, kind of continues yeah. longer, longer. It's like, the, it's like the rings of a tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty nuts, man. It's, At it's some fun. point I'll just cut it short and everyone will just hate just it. Throw everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, shave my head. You were you were recently doing kind of an AMA on Twitter, and one uh, comment kind of jumped out at me is where you said, kind of during this pandemic, you've learned that too much of your identity was built around what you do for a living. And, yeah. And the one thing I, I love about that quote is, you know, obviously growing up, I was I played in bands, but then you would have a job and you'd be like, well, I work here, but really what I do is this, you know, really this is what I do. You know, this isn't who I am kind of stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and kind of just, just, I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit more about that side of it because it's it's such a huge thing to, especially for you, because you've been doing it for so long to just kind of all of a sudden stop and not have a tour to go on and not have, you know, this and that to to go out and do. So you've kind of had to become, you know, Aaron Polly, the uh, the, uh, the the stay at home, you know, uh, man, I guess. <laughs> no, it's exactly that. It's um, <clears throat> human beings, I think, in order for, our mental health to have like a good balance. We have to have a sense of duty and purpose. When your duty and purpose is entertaining people, or it's as simple as giving people time and people get excited. Like that's something that I never take for granted. If somebody comes up and they're super stoked to meet me, I'm just like a very normal person, but I don't, it's not lost on me that I can literally give somebody a good experience with very minimal effort. And if you put even just a little effort into that, like you can change someone's day and it doesn't take a lot. And that's kind of like a blessing in a weird way to kind of like, that to me is like how I take my ego out of it and still try and, and fulfill that role. Cause there are people who want to try and escape whatever they're going through by coming to our shows or by coming to the meet and greets, you know? And, um, you know, I think too much of your identity can get wrapped up in what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And at some point, if that changes drastically, um, you have to find a way to operate, you know? Um, this is the longest I've been at home since I can't even remember when, you know? So it's about connecting with my fiance in that way. and and having time with my dog and doing learning to do basic menial chores. I'm so bad about doing my dishes. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. Like I'm really bad about it because I'll get so sidetracked with doing music and, and just being very ADD with a bunch of different spinning plates. And um, yeah, there's kind of a sense of like, okay, I'm 32 now. I'm not consistently on the road. Like I'm not just that person on stage. And to me, I've always kind of, never really fully been that person on stage that's that to me is like a dr jekyll mr hyde situation where that guy kind of comes out on stage and 
there's a lot of times where I'll finish a show and people are like, how was it? And I'm like, I think it was good. A lot of times I kind of check out, like that's kind of for me a very like therapeutic thing. And you have to find new therapeutic things when you don't have that. And that's a healthy thing for human growth. It's maybe an unhealthy thing to take somebody in their early 20s and then be on the road for eight years. And okay, well, now you're in your 30s. There's a whole different like set of responsibilities kind of as a human being you have, you know, so learning to recognize those things, I guess, and just slowing down, but you're kind of forced to slow down. So learning to cope with that too. Yeah, it's pretty nuts when you're on stage and you don't know if it's a good show or not. And you feel like it's a bad show because maybe somebody hit a bad note or a song came me. in wrong. Probably me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so and so in your head, like the whole show is train wrecked and then you get off stage and <clears throat> that's the one show that everybody was like, that's the best of my cement show. Dude, I swear to God, that's our management. Every time that they come out and I think we have a bad show, they're like, Mate, it's the best you've ever sounded. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, cool. Like, you know, and and I've learned to not dwell on that. If I mess up a minute's worth of a whole song, like a whole minute, and that's a really long mess up. Well, that's one minute out of, I don't know, what, 75? That yeah, we're probably I, fine. I think it kind of humanizes the moment too, though, you know. Because, oh God, yeah. Because I still can right now remember when I was 15 seeing Pantera live and Dimebag was playing Becoming and it was, you know, the dun dun wah, dun dun dun. But on one of the wahs, he didn't hit it right. So it was like dun dun wah, dun dun. And so I still remember that to this day. And it's not like I look any less on Dimebag's playing. No, and it makes all the incredible moments even more incredible because you're like, wow, that was actually real. Yeah. And Foo, Fighter, Foo Fighters is great with that. If somebody breaks a string or something happens or just extending a, a bar of the bridge out for like five minutes while Dave runs around. <laughs> so having the, the studio capabilities at home, is that what makes you, I do, I did notice you, you pop up on a lot of other people's songs. Like, you know, it's like, featuring, mm -hmm. you know, featuring Aaron Polly. So is that, is that, you know, people come to you and say, Hey, can you throw down a, a vocal on this and you do it at home or, or how does that work over the years? Uh, it depends. Sometimes it's nice to like go somewhere and just track a vocal. Like when I did the, uh, like you were mentioning the Kezo song with uh, Kezo and Yoltron, uh, me and Tino actually went up to, uh, to LA and tracked that at, at their studio. Um, I did a guest vocal for an Italian band called Aline. Um, I did that here. Um, I did all the vocals for the Jamie stuff here and for the new of mice here. Um, the night terror stuff. I actually went to, uh, Elliot's house where he's got the massive mega ramp. <laughs> I hit a 720, but nobody got any video or photos of it. <laughs> Didn't happen. It was massive. It was like a 10 out of 10. Right. The, um, the other, the other, uh, you know, collaboration vocal I saw was a bunch of Five Finger Death Punch stuff popping up. You know, you going out nightly and doing uh, uh, "Ain't My Last Dance." Um, how was that? You know, kind of going into that world and and back to the comment section thing. You know, how did of Mice and Men fans obviously take you guys doing a Five Finger Death Punch run, and then also you kind of going out and singing with those guys? Um, and let me hey, preface that by saying hey, I'm friends hey, with Chris. And it's oh, and I'm good. I, I'm good with Five Finger. Like, yeah, no, it was it was insane. Like when you're talking about Five Finger Death Punch in arenas in Europe, like it's very well suited for that crowd. Um, 
Ivan had asked me to come up and do it about like halfway through the tour. And it was just a fun thing to do every night. Um, it's a really kind of cool thing too. Cause it, it kind of, it, it adds an extra layer of camaraderie, like between the bands on the tour. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, every, everyone's kind of a tour eventually, you know, tours on the back end, they feel like traveling circuses where it's like, all right, pack the tent up boys. Like we're going to the next town. And it's like, everyone has their act and it takes every act to make the, the show work. And it's kind of cool when you can like collaborate. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I didn't see any negativity from our fans. Typically when I'm on tour, I don't have time or like right. energy to look at anything. I'll like pull up a YouTube video and I'll put it to my ear just to like, see if I hit a bad note somewhere or something. I'm like, okay, it's fine. It sounds fine. They don't hear most of the weird squeaky stuff anyway. That's I think that's mostly from wearing in-ears. It makes you really self-conscious. You hear a hundred percent of <laughs> yourself in a very isolated room. Right. And when we play live, I don't play using crowd mics. So it is like playing in a box, but I, I prefer that because it's, that's me time, you know? Yeah. That's a, that, I've done in ears a few times. And, and one time we didn't have the crowd noise and it was a very bizarre, you know, you see everybody like clapping and you hear nothing and it's. Well, that, okay. That's the re that's another cool reason not playing bass is having that to then say, oh, you no. know, I point my mic out and then I can hear the crowd. Right. But but I but but like, you know, in between songs, I'm not hearing someone in the first row talking shit like <laughs> right in front right in front of the crowd mic at the festival. You killed metalcore. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, dude. <laughs> that was a mistake. Uh, you know, actually kind of going back to that though, I mean, <laughs> uh, over the years, you know, you guys have toured Five Finger Death Punch, Slipknot, kind of did the bigger tours like that. And, you know, did you get pushed back doing those uh initially? No. Good. surprisingly no i mean anybody i think objectively at the time especially other like bands in our scene there's no way like there's no real downside to a metalcore band that is like a subgenre going out with a band like slipknot that can draw twenty thousand people in any major market they go to like it exposes a whole genre of music artists to a whole new group of fans and slipknot fans were awesome like that tour was great yeah and um if it would have been another band i would have been like damn i wish that was us like <laughs> you know what i mean so like uh yeah we've been very blessed to have been hit up by a lot of these bands to join these tours and that's just a testament to our fans you know making our music as meaningful as it is did you guys get to tour at all for Earth and Sky? Was there anything for that? Uh, we did a run with Beartooth. We did Shiprocked. Um, no, not really. We did well. We did the Earth tour. Mm -hmm. So yes, one. But we, it's Earth and Sky, <laughs> and we did the Earth tour. <laughs> no Sky tour. I guess not. <laughs> oh, are we? Are we? Putting out the EP just to, to, to put something else out to kind of stay in the minds of people and then do the Sky Tour? Or where, where are we at with that kind of? I know no, our, our whole, like once the pandemic happened, you know, I talk about our career, our art being like a conversation, right? So we don't have the live aspect of that anymore. We're just going to create music. We kind of, if you're like a foodie at all or into going to restaurants, you know, the term farm to table. We wanted to kind of 
Uh, and that was part of the reason why we switched to Sharptone was we wanted to be a bit more farm to table with our music. You know, if when we are writing songs, when I'm writing lyrics, I'm uh, a lot of times I'm reflecting what I'm going through or I'm reflecting what I'm seeing around. It's kind of like your job as a as a songwriter is a, a bit supposed to be like a reporter, you know, observe and report, observe, interpret, report. <laughs> and like. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's just. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> just trying to figure out if you. I got, right. I got. I got caught up in how I said observe and report, and <laughs> I have like social anxiety, so sometimes I'll say something really weird, and I'm like, oh, oops. Well, just the fact you know, getting out to do a sky tour. Are we just moving on? No, we're we're going to create music and drop it as soon as we can, within reason. So doing the, you know, uh, night terror stuff and kind of releasing you know, like mushroom cloud here and there. And then the EP, I mean, are you guys continuing forward? Are you going to do more EP type stuff, drop a single here and there, or you, or you like the, uh, full length album stuff? Uh, the plan is just to keep releasing new music all year. Um, it's cool to release albums, but I think at the same time, like the way that people consume everything is kind of more of an on-demand basis. And we have found that sometimes a lot of the songs that are really meaningful to us never really get their time in the sun because the singles take precedent and then the album's out and then you got to go on tour and work on something else. And it's like a lot of stuff kind of goes by the wayside, whereas, you know, we and anybody can disagree. I don't know if you can hear my dog snoring right next to me. I was like, what the hell is that sound? It's my dog snoring. Um, but, you know, like we, we spend a lot of time creating music that's relevant to us and want to be able to share that with our fans and keep a conversation that's, you know, instead of like, okay, we're going to make this whole album, then we're going to wait six months before we drop the first single. And by the time the album's out, those songs are a year old, that conversation, those feelings, a lot of that's a year old. And I think that there's something um, that can be seen in like the SoundCloud rap generation, you know, like the way that the youth consume music is it's more, everything's more on demand I, and it's not just for the sake of like, Oh, I need it now, but it's just current. You know, right. I can, I can text anybody I want to talk to and have a conversation. I can have multiple conversations at the same time. I think maybe the album model is a bit antiquated. And so for us, we just wanted to try something different and sharp tone was the perfect uh, home for us to do that. I think sadly, a lot of times when I hear new music now, it just makes me want to go back and listen to that person's catalog. You know, like, like a, mm -hmm. here's, here's a new Megadeth track. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, I don't want to go back and listen to Rest in Peace. You know, it's oh, kinda, yeah. almost like a, it just reminds me of how great they are and were. So you, you almost want to go back and listen to stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think like it's the difference between Netflix dropping an entire series at one time versus a show you really like that you got to wait every week for. Um, and I think that, you know, for us, we just make a lot of music and we just want to put it out. So, well, and it's also, and it's also kind of cool because, you know, it's three songs at a time or four songs at a time. And it's, it's, you kind of get to create these little more myopic projects where it's like, okay, this is kind of the, sonic focus or sonic like songwriting focus um i don't know it's just fun it's kind of a fun way to make music when you're you know post six albums <laughs> 
Well, it's kind of like the difference between Damn, we're old, dude. <laughs> yeah, I just hit 41, so I know. Um the you look great for 41. Well, thank you very much. The uh you know, the Mandalorian coming out, well, you know, once a week, you know, you have a have a week to talk about the episode that just came out and, and it kind of builds up to next week to where you know a Netflix will drop an entire series all at once. And so if you did that with the Mandalorian, everyone would watch it, you know, binge it real quick and then be well, that was great. Now what? You know, like when are we going to do something new? So I think that I think that the novelty of dropping the entire season at once was great, but it's also great to get an you know an episode a week too. So Oh yeah, I think both have their merits and I'm for sure guilty of indulging in both, but when you've dropped the entire series six different times, you're like, "Hey, maybe I want to try and see what dropping it every week or for us you know we we want to be dropping music every few weeks for the rest of the year so however that looks however that breaks down into eps and single art and all that you know that'll be determined but you know doing music is how we stay sane and you're enjoying uh sharp tone records is what you're you keep alluding to oh yeah absolutely you know they've been um hugely supportive and not just like wanting to try different things but in helping us facilitate trying different things because it's one thing to say like yeah we're going to give you a wide berth to be creative in how you want to release music versus like we're going to give you a wide berth and like <laughs> if it, we believe in it we're going to back it it's like you know it's a really good feeling so um especially in times like these you know <laughs> and as we kind of wrap it up uh the one other thing you tw uh, tweeted about was uh, you say some days you'll take your phone out of the case for an entire day. And it's still out, dude. I never put that. it back in. I've got anxiety just reading that. So, dude, I just most of my apartment's carpeted. Um, to be honest with you, okay, so I had like a one of those like clear polymer cases, mm -hmm. and it's old, and so I took it off, and it's it's really like dingy and yellow, and I set it down somewhere, probably near my computer, and I was just like. <laughs> Just seeing how dingy it was, I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to put that back on. You gotta order a so new they, one because they, yeah, they just kind of turn yellowish over time. <laughs> so, have you been uh, wearing out, uh, you know, DoorDash and Grubhub and Amazon Prime? Postmates, Postmates, <laughs> and Amazon Prime, <laughs> definitely. But I do go to the grocery store, mask up, and go get my groceries. How is California at this point? I believe it's. Uh, are they? They're. they're I feel like I've read that they're starting to to lift a little of the restrictions and let you guys out a little bit more, a little, little free range, Aaron Polly. Yeah, I live in Huntington Beach, and they have been like horrible about enforcing it. And they had a lot of like the anti-mask rallies and stuff, which is I don't really comport with any of that. So I, I mean, it's it's fine in here, you know. <laughs> but I mean, you know, as, as far as um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you. And I wouldn't want to give out wrong statistics, so I'll say go to the CDC website. <laughs> there you go. CDC.org. <laughs> uh, we'll put that in the show notes, right? Yeah, there you go. Well, great, man. Well, uh, like we said, of Mice and Men, Timeless, out February 26th. Sharp Tone Records. Aaron Polly, it's always a great chat with you, man. Hey, thank you so much, and thanks for uh, bearing with me and allowing me to get dressed for this <laughs> interview. <laughs> Maybe we might have got better ratings had you been naked. Maybe, or worse. <sighs> We'll never know. I guess we'll never Arguably. Know. <laughs> uh, we'll save it. Hey, we'll save it for the next EP. All right, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right, brother. You have a good one, okay? You too.
And thank you for checking out another episode of Talk To Me here on the CMS Podcast Network. That is cmspn.com. Make sure to head over to the website, learn how you can rate, review, subscribe to the show. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to let your friends know, share this episode on your Facebook, Twitter, or however you share your episodes. And once again, for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you soon.